Hello, a warm and friendly welcome as you join us on Search for Truth, your Bible teaching programme with Brian Johnston. Our tale of two women continues today with Madame Folly showing lack of sense when choosing who she should have for a friend. The purpose of this series of studies is to help us to make wise life choices which will be to our well-being and help us cultivate a good character. As usual, it's the Bible that's the source of our teaching, and Brian's readings today will be mainly from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament again, with other verses from 1 Corinthians and Luke's Gospel to support. So, let's join Brian now for Scripture's teaching in being wise in our choice of friends. Thanks, John. And as you say, we're currently exploring five areas of our lives to which the expression lacking sense is attached in the book of Proverbs. Already, we've seen it's to do with facing seduction. As in Proverbs 9 and 16, whoever is naive, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks understanding, she says, stolen water is sweet. Perhaps you recall that those were the words of Madame Folly, tempting the unwary down the path towards the thrill of an adulterous affair. Her siren call was matched by the counteroffer from Dame Wisdom. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says, forsake your folly and live and proceed in the way of understanding. We've already dealt with that topic and with that of flawed speech, another area where the words lacking sense crop up. So now I want us to turn to yet another one, and that's the decision of which friends to select. It's been said, if a man wants to make a fool of himself, he'll always find plenty of help. That sentiment may well be backed up by a verse we find in Proverbs 12 and verse 11, which says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Notice those final words. There, again, we find them lacking sense. Does it mean the person in question lacks sense or lacks understanding because he or she is busy chasing fantasies? Or is the reference to worthless friends rather than worthless pursuits? For the wording has been translated as, he that follows vain persons is void of understanding. For sure, someone who does that will tend to neglect his business and waste his time spending it in the company of vain, empty and unprofitable persons. In all this, he shows himself by such a choice that he is void of understanding or lacks a heart. No doubt you've heard how someone has joked that if you want to live a long, healthy life, then be sure you choose your parents carefully. Of course, that can't be done but a wise selection of friends is within our capability. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul agrees with that wise advice, saying in verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning, for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. Paul was perhaps aware that some of the believers in the Church of God at Corinth had kept company with false teachers who'd been teaching that there was no resurrection of the dead. But in any case, it applies more widely than that. Whether we choose our friends wisely or foolishly will have a huge impact on our life. We need look no further than the Bible for the meaning of true friendship. The Bible book of Proverbs, which we're dipping into, has really meaningful things to say about human friendships. It tells us 
A friend loves at all times. Proverbs 17 and verse 17. That's the first part of the verse in question. So far, so good. That first part is very clear. A friend loves at all times. But there's a second half to that same verse, which is Proverbs 17:17, as we say, and the second half isn't so clear. Translations of it tend to vary, often saying something like, but a brother is born for adversity. But what's the sense of saying, a friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity? Is it showing, as many Jewish writers believe, the difference between a friend and a brother? The stated difference being that a friend loves at all times, both in times of prosperity and in times of adversity. But on the other hand, a brother loves only in adversity. In other words, could it be that what this is saying is that two brothers, or a brother and sister, may not be very close at all? But if trouble strikes, then they rally round and support one another. By contrast, two friends are close through both good and bad times. The meaning would then be a brother is someone you turn to when you need help, but your friend is someone you associate with at all times. But perhaps this verse isn't really intending to show the difference between a friend and a brother. The original text can apparently be understood to be referring to the same person. That is, he who is the friend acts the part of a brother in a time of adversity, for which time he was born and brought into the world. The Bible in basic English takes that approach and translates Proverbs 17 and verse 17 as, A friend is loving at all times and becomes a brother in times of trouble. Some commentators agree and suggest the meaning is, At all times a friend loves, but in adversity he is born or he becomes a brother. In both options, but more so with the second, the overall meaning is a friend in need is a friend indeed. By the way, the following verse, the verse after that, which is Proverbs 17 and verse 18, reads, A man lacking in sense pledges and becomes guarantor in the presence of his neighbour. That just reminds us how closely a bad selection of friends is bound up with a lack of sense. There's another related verse that again has some debate about half of it. This time it's the second half that's pretty well accepted, but the first part is where we find the variations. I'm talking about Proverbs 18 and verse 24, which ends up by saying that there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That part is easy to understand and is generally accepted. But what is it that comes before that? One Bible version reads, A man who has friends must himself be friendly. And I think we can all readily understand that. An unfriendly person will not likely have many friends, if any. Or to put it positively, to have a friend, first become a friend to someone. But another Bible translation says, A man of many friends will come to ruin. If that's a better way to translate this difficult text, then the meaning again makes good sense overall, in that it's telling us that while many shallow friendships may not be good, one deep friendship is better. Jesus' story of the so-called prodigal son is a classical example of this. In Luke 15, verse 11, we read, He said, that's Jesus giving this parable, 
a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. While the runaway son had money, it's more than likely that he'd lots of friends who helped him to spend it. They're not explicitly mentioned because Jesus is focusing on the young man, but it's a fair assumption that his loose living wasn't done in isolation. It's also a reasonable thing to assume that he'd many shallow friendships with casual friends. They didn't truly care about him at all. They were only interested in what his money could buy for them. It could well have been that his many friends helped him to ruin. And when his money ran out, he found himself alone, with all his good-time friends long gone, an example of how a man with many friends comes to ruin. Back again to the proverb in chapter 18 and verse 24 we've been thinking about. A man of many friends will come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. We saw that it's telling us that one deep friendship is better than many shallow friendships. Indeed, the latter can be quite ruinous for us. It's interesting that this verse also pairs together friends and brothers. A good friend is someone who's as supportive of us as the best of brothers when times get tough, and is also someone whose company and counsel we look for at all times. Not that he or she is the person who always says what we want to hear. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, says Proverbs 27 and verse 6. Sometimes the friendliest thing a confidant can do is to give us a straight talking to. They tell us the way it is, and we take criticism from them, criticism that we would have difficulty taking from anyone else, because in their case at least, we know they have our best interests in view. That expression, the wounds of a friend, seems to capture perfectly the home truths that a faithful friend can give us. We listen to their assessment of what we've said and done because we respect the quality of the relationship we have with them and if they tell us we need to apologise to someone then we probably, on reflection, will follow their advice. Let's finish off with another repetition of the words lacking sense as we find them related to the choice of friends. Is Proverbs 15, verse 21. Folly is joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight. Without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counsellors, they succeed. A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. It just emphasises the value of good advice from well-chosen friends. Although what I'm about to say isn't with the authority of Dame Wisdom, I still think it's worth a mention. Show me your friend and I will tell you who you are, is apparently an old Nigerian saying. It might be worth us thinking objectively then about our circle of friends and reflecting on what it says about us.
It's a lovely friendship group, isn't it? When Christians are together and the greatest friend of all of us as Christians is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as usual, a free transcript book is available to accompany these talks and a copy can be yours if you write in. You can request it by post or by email. And we'd also be pleased to hear any comments or questions you might have. Now, the talk you've heard today is also available to download. Uh, you can do it via the internet, obviously, and it can be downloaded in audio or text format. If you'd like a copy of the book, just ask for The Tale of Two Women. You can do this by email or by post, as I said, and here's the addresses. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN4 8DY, UK. And our email address, sft at churchesofgod.info. You might be interested to know as well that many titles of Search for Truth transcript books have been turned into e-books and they're available at amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen ebooks. I'll say that again, amazon.co.uk forward slash kindle hyphen ebooks. And once you're in the Kindle store, type Search for Truth Brian Johnston into the field and you'll find the books. It's been great to have the privilege of your company again and uh, I hope you'll enjoy another broadcast next week when our tale of two women continues in wise management in financial matters. Very important these days. So, until then, it's goodbye for now and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, and our singers and me, John, of course. See you again soon, and in the meantime, may God richly bless you. <laughs>